Hello and welcome to this special bonus Blue Moon podcast. This is an edition of City Heaven, City Hell. It's one of the formats of the podcast that we do for our Patreon subscribers. We've got a City fan and an opposition guest on each one of these. They discuss four meetings between City and the other team. Each guest picks a Heaven option or a good game and a Hell option or a bad game. As we go into the big Champions League tie with Bayern Munich coming up this week, uh, we've decided to make this episode free as a taster of the sort of extra podcasts you can get by signing up to our Patreon. If you enjoy it, then please head over to patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast and sign up. It's just £2 a month and you'll get shows like this every Monday throughout the season. For this episode, I was joined by City fan Dan Burke and by Munich fan Danny Kadina. Let's get into it. We will start uh, in the best place to start, which is Dan's City Heaven. Um, we're going back to the 10th of December 2013. Uh, this was a game that finished Bayern Munich 2, Manchester City 3. Going in, both City and Bayern were through in the group stage. Bayern were top on 15 points, City second on 12. Uh, City could go top of the group with a three-goal win or a two-goal win if they scored four or more. Uh, maths, n- we'll come to that in a bit later on. Maths, not necessarily everybody's strong point here. Um, City had <laughs> rotated their team around for this one with it being more or less a dead rubber. Here's what happened. It's a terrific ball for Muller. First real chance. Exactly what you'd expect from the first real chance, the first Bayern goal. Thomas Muller coming in from the right-hand side. Dante drops from Mandzukic. And put in by Goethe. Well, they're taking Manchester City apart here. They just now as they can't stop the cross coming in. And David Silva! Well, Manchester City have found their feet here in the Allianz Arena and they've upset Pep Guardiola. Here is David Silva, he's been lively on his return tonight and scored a goal, Dante. Penalty! After that truly awful start, a golden chance for Manchester City to get level in the Allianz Arena and they've taken it. An emphatic penalty. From Alexander Kolarov. Here's David Silva, another Spaniard. Looking for yet another Spaniard in Jesus Navas. Oh, Boateng's missed it. Milner goes for goal, finds it. Magnificently. Can you believe this? They were 2-0 down, Manchester City. They are 3-2 up. Away to Bayern Munich. There we have it. So, Dan, why this one? What, what stands out about this one? Just the, the manner of the, uh, of the of the comeback, really. It was, um, it was a really sort of... Uh, yeah, exciting game and a really in- enjoyable comeback from City's point of view. And the, f- the first time in the Champions League that we- we'd beaten a-, a sort of top tier opponent. Um, yeah, I remember going into the-, the game not feeling like it was very important, really, not feeling like the, the result mattered too much. Um, it was our third year in the Champions League. We'd never been out of the group before. So the fact that we'd already got out of the group, it felt like it was job done, really. And um, the-, the result, you know, finishing top of the group was was kind of by the by and wasn't really expecting much from it and um yeah Pellegrini named a, a bit of a rotated team I think we played Arsenal at home the following game so I think he was he was resting a few players for that we won 6-3 in that game if you remember and I think yeah. Arsenal were quite near the top of the league at the time so it was quite a big game and uh yeah so sat down to watch the game and you know not really that bothered about the outcome and then the manner of Bayern's first two goals I, I remember just being really angry about the way that City had started <laughs> the, def- the defending was pathetic you know, you know the first goal like it's just like one ball over the top Muller's like clean throw on goal and he scores second one the defended it's just like you know they can't clear the lines and, and the ball ends up in the back of the net and I read the uh, the BBC match report in preparation for this and it said in the match report um, by the time that Bayern had made it 2-0 Joe Hart had only touched the ball four times and two of those were picking the ball out of the back of the net 
So, uh, so yeah, it felt it. You know, it, it was quite annoying the way City were played, even though the, the game didn't didn't matter an awful lot. And then uh, David Silva gets us back in it. Uh, second half, we we get a penalty. Kolarov steps up, who's wearing the captain's armband, and uh, I remember it being a bit of a surprise that he was taking the penalty. And he took the penalty really well, and then yeah, in a matter of minutes, we're three two up with that um, that outstanding goal by Milner. Like what a finish that was! Yeah. Like beautifully slotted away, first time, sort of opened up his body and curled it into the far corner past Ndoya. And uh, yeah, that's probably one of my favourite City goals of recent times, really. But it's almost like a little bit tainted by the fact that uh, obviously Milner plays for Liverpool now and we don't really like him too much anymore. (laughs) Yeah, Danny, um, I said City had had rotated their team for this one. Uh, In the years that that we've since, because we've obviously uh, exchanged managers now and and Guardiola's uh, with City, uh, we we see the number of times Guardiola will look at a Champions League dead rubber and name a full strength team. Uh, was Was he in the habit of doing that for Bayern Munich as well? I mean, you look at the starting eleven; it kind of points to that. Like Schweinsteiger is, I think, like the only big name missing, and I think it's due to injuries. So, um, but yeah, like Dante Boateng was as good as center backs gets. Lam Alabal played. Thiago Müller, Kroos. Like it's a really decent side when you look at it. Um, and it's sort of like the—I wouldn't say frustrating, but sort of like the sort of thing you don't fully understand from Guardiola sometimes. In that, you know, this game doesn't really matter that much. So why risk injuring players? Why risk going full throttle in a match that isn't that relevant, knowingly? that this is, what, December, isn't it? So there's still a lot in play, kind of. like There's half a season to go. Uh, Bayern with Guardiola, albeit they did start quite well every season, they did struggle a bit to have like a really good lead built against, uh, you know, Dortmund and the likes. So to see him, like, go full throttle in a match that, like, you know, kind of like Reed here is, is it really that, um, you know, life or death kind of thing? Uh, it's that sort of thing that, Keeps you wondering a little bit about how this guy takes. Yeah, and Dan, I mean, uh, there was a couple of bits in the commentary there. I mean, first off, um, uh, Martin Tyler says um, Manchester City have upset Guardiola here. That won't be the first time. <laughs> um, and I, I mean, I mean, the, the, the other thing, like like uh, the City connections, Boateng's missed it. Like I remember that happening as well in, in a blue shirt. Yeah, well, it was a weird one with Boateng at City because he came in um, as a right-back and whenever he played there, I thought, that guy is not a right-back. Not in a million years is he a right-back. <laughs> and there was there was one time, I seem to recall, it might have been the only time that he played for us in a UEFA Cup game. I can't remember who the opposition was, but he played centre-back and he had a really good game. And I, and I thought, yeah, that that makes more sense. He, he, he looks more like a centre-back. His attributes fit more with a centre-back than a right-back. You know, he, he basically had no pace, did he? And he's quite a tall guy and, you know, just just never looked right as a right-back, really. I don't know why people ever thought he was one. And then, obviously, he leaves City after after just one season, goes to Bayern Munich and ends up being, for a period of time, one of the best centre-backs in, in Europe, really. Um, uh, yeah, it, it was a little bit calamitous, his, uh, his, his role in the, the Milner goal on this one with him, him letting it through his legs. And, it, it, you know, he wasn't uh, averse to a mistake during his career. But yeah, it was it was Bayern Munich moving him into, into central defence that really um, t- made his career take off, I think. Yeah. Danny, is there something about Guardiola sides going 2-0 up and losing 3-2? Because he's done it a couple of times at City. And obviously this one, like, like Bayern were in complete control of this game at 2-0. And then I, like, I, I genuinely, I went, at full time, I remember thinking, you know what, City, City deserved that, and they deserved the 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 the, the win for the fight back. But they, they should never have been in a position to be able to do that from two 0 down. I think there's something in the way he sets up games, and there has to be also like a locker room thing because the team just kind of like lays back way too much. Like I understand two goals up, you can kind of you know get a step off the gas a little bit, but. Uh, it's like you said, like, there's just something that clicks in the players as, okay, we already have this in the bag. We might as well just chill a bit. And 
yeah, then the opposition just wreaks havoc on you. And then there's like individual mistakes and little like, you know, faux pas like uh, boa tanks here in this case uh, that don't really, you know, make sense in the context of a game like this where Bayern were like clearly playing, uh, like outplaying City for a good portion of it. Um, and that's not like the only time it's happened. Like the Bundesliga, which, you know, famously Guardiola won comfortably, they would still find like games that you shouldn't have lost or you shouldn't have drawn. And it does happen like a dozen occasions or so with him coaching Bayern. And I don't know, it's kind of like a trend with Guardiola, maybe the tinkering, the over-tinkering, trying things or like sending messages in a very, you know, particular way to the players that just, I don't know if it baffles them or whatever, but it just definitely has the opposite effect of what he's definitely looking for. Unless he's like properly looking to tank the game, which I seriously doubt. Um, <laughs> he just kind of managed to do it somehow, which yeah. is insane if you think about it. Yeah, Dan, uh, we can't get away from it any longer uh, because uh, one more goal in this game would have topped the group for City. Um, and I, I mean, I, I don't want to say that that um, it was it was there for the taking because again, it's Bayern Munich. They were they they, they were one of the best sides of, of in Europe under Guardiola. Um, they obviously still are one of the best sides in Europe. You can't just expect to rock up there and get yourself a fourth goal. Um, however, on 88 minutes, knowing that one goal is enough, uh, Edin Dzeko off, Jack Rodwell on. Um, <laughs> what's Pellegrini thinking there? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, didn't Pellegrini actually admit afterwards that he didn't realise that another goal would have swung in City's direction? Or, yeah. or was that just assumed that um, he, I think, he I think of, he said on he, he TV. Yeah, so I mean that's pretty criminal, isn't it? Really, I remember at the time it being a bit divisive, divisive among the fan base. A lot of people saying, "Wow, what the hell is he doing there?" And other people saying, "Come on, we've just beaten Bayern Munich. We just got through into the the Champions League knockout stages for the first time in our history. Like, it's not too bad, is it? Like, you know, we'll we'll kind of let him off, and and it, you know, we were in good form at the time. We had a good start to the season, and Pellegrini was well liked by the fans. So I think most people kind of let him off, but um, yeah, it, it was pretty poor. I remember, I remember. Um, Negredo having a pretty decent chance to to get the fourth goal and, and not scoring, but I think there was also a bit of an assumption that um, like if City wanted to score a fourth goal, they could have done, but they kind of showed up, you know, uh, what, what's the uh, shut up shop is the, the phrase I'm looking for, yeah. and and, and saw out the saw out the the victory, and it's like it's not that easy to score against Bayern Munich, you know, it's it's not as simple as like oh if if we wanted to we could have scored score four, but we we settled for three, I think. Uh, it was just a bit of a bit of a confusing night all round, really. Yeah, I had a I had a moment where um, I because obviously while this was playing out during stoppage time and people were saying does he does he not know does he not know I was like well actually Bayern have had a lot of the ball in the last ten minutes you, we, we, what we need is another midfielder on to get the ball back to be able to yeah. then create more chances uh, and actually it was just no the manager just didn't know that that, yeah, that was it. Yeah. it was as simple as that yeah. right and, it, and it, it, it meant we finished second and I got by, uh, Barcelona in the last sixteen didn't we and got knocked <laughs> out so um, you know maybe we would have got a more favourable draw if we'd finished top maybe yeah. not who knows yeah who we, knows? We, we might have been Champions League winners by now who knows maybe yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> how, 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 how these sliding but... doors moments happen yeah. <laughs> right uh, well uh, let's move on to uh, a happy occasion for Danny we're going to the 2nd of October 2013 this is Bayern Munich heaven uh, it finished City 1 Bayern Munich 3 at the Etihad both teams had won their opening group match 3-0 City had played Victoria Pilsen and Bayern had played at CSKA Moscow this was City's third year in the Champions League here's the action from the game Ribéry! Well, Manchester City would wish that he hadn't got permission to travel. Joe Hart beaten by the near post, won't be too impressed with himself for that. But the power of Ribéry has driven Bayern Munich into an early lead here at the Etihad Stadium. Buller, and he's onside and he's in past Joe Hart. 
and he scores. Thomas Muller catches Manchester City Cole just at the time where they were thinking of maybe easing their way back into it. Is in more difficulty because Robin running and scoring. And he has got this five in a row in the Champions League, the first Bayern player to do that. And it's turning into a rout here in favour of Bayern Munich. Here's a chance of Negredo, and he's got one back in fine style. So something from this tortuous night for Manchester City to remember. Will it lead to something else? So not a good night for City, a very good night for Bayern. Um, Danny, this this one, um, I mean, if, if a reminder was needed that Bayern Munich were a good side after that, after what we've just talked about from from what would end, what would how this group would end, um, this is it, isn't it? This this was a performance where two teams were they were clearly on different levels. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Also, one of the things that stood out the most to me in this game was the fact that there was a lot of rotation—not a lot of rotation going on—but he did fidget a little bit with the team in the sense that he added Lam to the midfield, uh, which was kind of like—I mean, it did happen on occasions, but it wasn't sort of like the standard Bayern procedure. Like Lam was either left back or right back, so um, to see him a bit forward then, and you have Robin, Kroos, Schweinsteiger, Ribery in the midfield, Müller as sort of like a nine, false nine—I would—I would argue. that's a lot of power, really. And it's a team that was kind of like conceived, for this match at least, to just bombard, I, I, I see. I also find it's, it's kind of hard to ignore. Uh, Hart could have had a better night, definitely. He does get the <laughs> hand on the ball a couple times. Well, two of the goals actually bounce off his hand, um, which, I don't know, it's, it kind of takes away from the charm of, you know, earning the goal when the keeper kind of interferes with it in a way that, you know, he could have stopped it but really didn't get it. Um, having said all that, one of the best aspects of the game was definitely the, the, the Ribéry-Alaba connection, which is so good at Bayern as long as, well, both players were there, actually. Uh, and that game was just like a really good example of what David Alaba, still in that point, kind of like an up-and-coming talent, still not like an established, uh, you know, European name, kind of, that he is nowadays. Um, what he could add to this team and, you know, add, you just put Ribéry in front of him, you just have this really, really quick... Uh, left side of the pitch that is just meant to wreak havoc and I guess that kind of did work marvelously for Bayern that night yeah Dan I don't know if you remember this uh, but um, this game there there was a a spell of about four or five minutes of this game that ended up on YouTube Uh, fed up (laughs) Benny Hill Yakety Sax music played to it chasing shadows that like Bayern were just knocking the ball around and City were like we cannot get near you yeah yeah, I do remember that, um, and I remember my, my abiding memory of this game is it was uh, it was one 0 to Bayern at half time. Obviously, they were the reigning European champions at this point. Guardiola had taken over. This was his his first season, if I'm not mistaken, at Bayern, and it, there was just a clear golfing class between the two teams uh, at half time. It was only one 0 to Bayern, um, but they, they were just they were just miles better than us. T- total control of the game, and I remember saying to my dad at half time. These are really, really good, but I wouldn't want to watch this kind of football every week. I would find it really boring. And obviously, you know, in the Guardiola era at City, we've we've grown accustomed to this kind of football. And, you know, at times I'm happy to admit that probably City are quite boring to watch, um, for the neutral especially. Um, Even for our own fans, they can be a little bit dull sometimes. Um, But it's a a level of control that we... we, didn't get with previous managers. We didn't get with Pellegrini and, and Mancini. Um, the way that Guardiola plays, the way that he, you know, the kind of death by a thousand cuts kind of football. It's, it's something that we weren't used to at the time. And and when it's your team playing like that, it's great. When and and it must be very very frustrating for the opposition um, playing against against Guardiola City at times. And yeah, I, I have a, an insight to that having having watched his Bayern Munich against us. 
Yeah, uh, Danny. I think it was. I think it was Thomas Muller after the game uh, talked about how. Uh, he was surprised at how little City pressed them, and and how uh, how much Jacko in in particular just kind of played in a deck chair and and didn't really move out the centre <laughs> circle. Um, it, it's it, it is a it is a thing, isn't it? The the, the amount of times the, the amount of ball possession that that uh, Guardiola's Bayern will have had. I'm, I'm assuming it was the same as uh, as we see um, Guardiola City have now. Um, you expect a little bit more than than the opposition to just kind of stand there and let you pass it round them. But at the same time, uh, I like the expression of death of a thousand cuts because it kind of is that way in the sense uh, that the opposition kind of just like sits back because they're just waiting for something to happen. The ball, you know, rocks back and forth from left to right, um, goes back to the defense, goes back forward to the midfield. And it does that for, you know, long periods and long stretches throughout the match more than once. Um, that you don't really know how to react, I imagine, is, 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 a, is a way to put it, I guess. Because, I mean, and that was sort of like one of the reasons why Guardiola's experience in Bayern and in the Bundesliga specifically was um, sort of like, you know, it has, like a, it has this little caveat that people in Germany were not enjoying the Bayern of Guardiola, which mm, yeah. sounds insane because, but I, I kind of get that. I'm kind of on that boat as well because as a fan, you're used to a very different concept of German football, right? It's like very vertical, very physical, very quick, uh, lots of goals, lots of things happening. Whereas here, it was sort of like, let's take a step back. Let's enjoy this little, you know, Francis Ford Coppola four-hour-long movie kind of thing uh, where, you know, it just felt like it was never-ending at one point. It was, you would yawn here and there. I'm not going to lie about that. Uh, uh, you know, to each their own, he is a magnificent coach. But yeah, he is a bit frustrating when you're coming off you Pankes who had a very blunt style of football very direct very concise very straight to the point you know cutting to the chase kind of thing here it was a very different you know way of understanding football and i mean fair enough it works i mean uh, the guy has won pretty much everything but uh yeah it, it does take some getting used to and i think that's also the experience with city i imagine uh, yeah i mean dan the, the the when you look at this game in particular as well um are you a little bit surprised that pellegrini did his because pellegrini had come in and gone we are playing 4-4-2 this season <laughs> yeah. and uh <laughs> like you, you it's a little bit old school back to basics kind of english setup and I'm I'm wondering the number of times now where you see uh, teams that City come up against when it's when it's a Guardiola City and they go we are we we need to sit deep and we need to cut out the spaces. Pellegrini didn't do any of that. He was quite famously a, a, a coach who would go we play to our strengths and so be it. Whatever the opposition try and do, we will we want to kind of accentuate our strengths. Um, that was a mistake for this game, wasn't it? <laughs> it was a mistake for a lot of games under Pellegrini. I think he, he was quite old-fashioned in that way. Really, it, it was uh, it, it was it was quite a an unintellectual way to look at football. I think, and, and I don't want to sort, sort of slag him off too much because he is a good coach and, and did do a good job at City. And, and some of the football we played, particularly in that first season of his, was, was sublime and really really enjoyable to watch. Um, and you know, Guardiola has, has named him as a reference point over, over time that he, you know he took inspiration from. But I think, yeah, Pellegrini a lot of the time was a little bit stubborn, a, a little bit unwilling to kind of do his homework on the opposition and, and really adapt to, to, to different situations. And and did just expect his team to go out and you know we, we'd signed like Jesus Navas that summer, um, who who brought some width to us and, and was good in that first season. And and Negredo was the focal point, and and uh, yeah, Jacko and and it was sort of Jacko and, and Negredo who would take it in turns to part. Aguero for the most part and uh, yeah, you'd have the two central midfielders and the, the back four and it was it was very kind of simplistic really and I think uh, you know Guardiola in particular has 
taken the game in a different direction in recent years and, and you can see his influence throughout the football world a lot of a lot of teams have copied him and you know like we said it's it, his football isn't perfect you know not not everybody loves it it's it can be in a bit a bit of an acquired taste um you know when, when you say that football's like at least it's effective that that's often a sort of derisory thing that you would say you know you would sort of apply that to like sam allardyce or something like it's horrible <laughs> to watch but it gets results and it's like guardiola's it's not horrible to watch but it, it it's kind of in that grey area between being enjoyable to watch and being effective sometimes. And uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, the, the likes of Pellegrini have been left behind a little bit in recent years. Yeah, well, uh, let's keep the misery coming, Dan. Uh, it's hell time for you. Bayern Munich 2, Manchester City nil on the 27th <laughs> of September 2011. Uh, this was City's second ever Champions League game. They'd drawn one all with Napoli in the first game at home. Um, this was the night where Carlos Tevez and Roberto Mancini fell out. Uh, we couldn't find the highlights anywhere, so I've not been able to play any of the commentary, but this is Roberto Mancini's post-match interview with Sky Sports. You were losing 2-0 and you took off Edin Dzeko yeah. and put on Nigel de Jong. Can you tell us your thinking behind that substitution? No, because I wanted that for five minutes to calm uh, everything. Don't concede a third goal. And after I put Carlos Tevez uh, in the pitch. So, so what happened? Why didn't you bring... Uh, what happened? That he refused to go in. He refused to come yeah. onto the pitch? He refused to come on the pitch. Yeah. That's an extraordinary situation. Do you think he will ever play for you again after refusing to play? Uh, for me, it's a bad situation because in a game like this, uh, it's impossible that one player refused to, to go in to help uh, the team. Uh, also, if it's disappointed because he didn't play. But uh, we play with 11 players. This is impossible. Did he offer any reason or explanation, or did he just say, no, I'm not playing? Yeah. yeah. You also had an exchange of words with Edin Dzeko, who, of course, was disappointed yeah, to come he off. He was disappointed, but, uh, but uh, the manager, I think, that uh, can do what he thinks. Uh, I thought that was uh, was important like this. We play every three days. One player can, can play very well every game. And uh, in that moment, I thought uh, that was better like this. And also for Zeke, for Edin, uh, I need to speak with you, with him. You also had words with Pablo Zabletta too. No, with Pablo I made a mistake because I thought that it was there. No, no, Pablo, we, I spoke with Pablo now, no, nothing. OK, but the overall picture is, is one of disharmony, not unity. Do you have a problem now? I think tonight we had a problem in this game. Before we never had a problem because we started the season very well. All the players played, uh, but I can't accept that one player refused to go in. I can't accept this. If it was up to you, would he even be in training tomorrow? Would you not want to see him again? Tomorrow is a day off. <laughs> oh, uh, a nice, a, a nice diplomatic answer there. He didn't actually train for another few months there, Dan. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, like it's, it, it's, it's funny, isn't it? You know, you know the number of times where, um, where you hear the line, "It's not you, it's me." Mm. Um, if, if a manager's falling out with three or four players on the bench, then maybe <laughs> it is them. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I think it's been, um, it's been pretty widely debunked, hasn't it? The the theory that. Tevez refused to come on that night. Yeah. Um, you know, if you, if you listen to to Nader Manua's podcast in particular and, and some of the, the City players from that era that he has had on there, um, I think it's pretty clear that there was not a good relationship between pretty much anyone in the squad with the exception of perhaps Micah Richards um, when it came to Mancini. I don't think any of the players got on well with him. I think he, it, 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 he had sort of 
he was a bit two-faced really he had one face for the fans and, and we loved him for the success that he brought to the club and for his personality and for for wearing his scarf on the touchline and all that kind of thing and it, but he had another face with the players and you know, could be quite cold with players when they were out injured and uh, you know if they weren't doing what he wanted and, and that kind of thing he, he, he was a bit of a bastard by the sounds of things yeah. really which maybe you have to be to be a manager on, on some level like you know you can't expect to be everybody's mate and, and players are always going to have a, a slightly different perspective on things and you know especially players who aren't getting the team and and that kind of thing, but yeah, it, it's it's been sort of widely debunked that that Tevez uh, refused to come on that night. But at the time, you know, we we all took Mancini's word for it because we loved him and and uh, you know he had a lot of credit in the bank with the fans. And I think you always naturally side with the manager in these things. And and you know the, the thought of a player refusing to come on is just the sort of golden rule in football, isn't it? If you're a professional footballer and you are told to play, you play. Like it's yeah. as simple as that. It is uh, unacceptable, as Mancini would say, to <laughs> to uh, to refuse to come off the bench. And I remember being disgusted with Tevez and hoping that he never played for the club again. And I think it was quite easy to believe Mancini's version of events that night because it was a bit of a a pattern of behaviour with Tevez. He'd asked to leave the club two or three times before that point. They'd given him the captaincy the previous year, kind of pandering to his ego a little bit. You know, he wasn't really a captain material. Um, you know, I don't think he ever truly wanted to be at City. I think he was one of those players who, who sort of came for the money, really, and was a bit of a mercenary um, that we had in, in the early days of the after the takeover. And... Um, you know, him him being out of the team wasn't that big a deal either, really, because we'd, we'd signed Aguero that summer and he'd taken on the mantle of that kind of talismanic striker um, that Tevez had been for City. And it was almost a case of, you know, what, is it such a big loss if, if Tevez never plays for the club again? And of course, the way the season panned out, it, it turned out that it was quite a big loss and we ended up having to to get him back from his, uh, his, his golfing holiday and uh, he... he not single-handedly saved the season, but definitely helped point City in the in the right direction again and, and get us over the line for that that title in the end. But yeah, it was um, it was a very very strange night. That I remember very little about this game except um, the, the, the the fallout. Yeah, yeah. Danny, was there, was there any concept of of what was happening or the the kind of blow up that was going on with City um, from the Bayern Munich side? Here? Because from from to all intents and purposes, this just like to to Bayern Munich, this just looks like a, a, a comfortable two 0 win. I mean, yeah, it didn't really like. I imagine there's sort of something like the chemistry you can tell, like when you're in the pitch as a player, that something is definitely not clicking in the other side. But like from from the neutral, uh, well, not neutral, but from the, the the fan perspective, it was just another match for Bayern. It was a game that had to be played. It was a game that you know we wanted to win, uh, but it didn't like really pick up more than what you would read in media. You know, the Mancini, like Dan's point out. Uh, you know, had this sort of like stern character with some players that he had quite a, a couple characters in the squad as well um, that, you know, kind of led to Man City being this team that was, you know, kind of evolving into the, what we know Man City is now, which is like a top contender for every single cup it plays. Um, and I think that transition period kind of must have had, and just to add there a little thing, like Tevez at Boca even, which is where he comes from, his attitude towards the team is always... He's a complicated guy, like a proper complicated guy. His ego is yeah. a thing. He uh, he's always, you know, he, he's always a bit turbulent wherever he goes. He has not just the, the personality of someone that you know has won things and aims to win everything. He also has this sort of like quality that you just have to deal with it because he is, you know, this that attitude that does add a little edge to a team uh, wherever he plays. Boca had a lot of issues with him. Still have a lot of issues with him as a fan. Like Boca fans still struggle to wrap their mind around uh, Carlos Tevez and his legacy for the for the club. Uh, but going back to Bayern here, um, I mean, the game was won with two Mario Gomez goals at classic Mario Gomez style, which is just <laughs> like stretching out his leg, at the, at, you know, right under the, 
run up the goalposts. And that was that, basically. Uh, it was 1-0, 2-0, and that was it. Bayern didn't really concern themselves for anything beyond uh, the second half, really. It kind of felt like a comfortable win. Um, the one good thing about that is, and I, kind of, I remarked a lot about that Juventus team, which was that it still felt like an organic, quote-unquote, Bayern in the sense that now you have like the Goretzkas, the Kimmich, that sort of player that are all like multifunctional. They can you can you know can move them around the, the pitch, ask them to do different kinds of things. Here you had players like Timo Schuch in the bench, Mario Gomez. There's Diego Contento. Uh, like it's a mixed bag of people that you know just happen to play football. It was still that, that humanity with it. Daniel von Boyden was the center back in that game, I think. So <laughs> you know, uh, it's legend. Sort of, yeah, yeah, I was I was going to I was going <laughs> to ask about van Boyden because uh, like we, we love the uh, guy. We absolutely love him, and he played four games. <laughs> <laughs> He took on like almost mythical quality, didn't he? After he after he came on loans, was played like four games, was really good, got injured, and then it was like the clamour to get him back for years was like he was the answer to our prayers, basically. <laughs> he, ne- he never came back; it just never happened. It's like the second coming of Jesus or something. Yeah, I remember a couple of games. Klinsman, when he was still coach at Bayern, played Van Bowden as a nine, just because he's built like one kind of. That was his argument, uh, and he scored a brace against Milan. I remember. Uh, so I think yeah, he scored. Did he score an overhead kick for Belgium at one point? Yeah, well? something like yeah. that. It's that sort of guy that you know he has so many. He must have like a ton, like ten thousand pop stories as well. Like he's that sort of guy that just seems like a very nice fellow that is just you know there at the right place, right time to have a really good anecdote to tell later about. Um, and yeah, I don't know, like as a Byron fan, I, I miss him dearly. He was fantastic for us. Uh, he was, I mean, two meters tall, what, a hundred kilo in weight. Like, of course he's a bit clumsy and whatnot, but you kind of need someone that big, uh, when playing, you know, rough football, which back then it was already called modern football, wasn't it? But at the same time, it still had this sort of like edge to it that nowadays wouldn't really, like you wouldn't see Van Bouten playing in a, in a top tier team nowadays, would you? Uh, and I kind of appreciate that about guy. He's like an old school center back that was sort of caught between the transition of the post Guardiola Tiki Taka evolution game and the pre Guardiola Tiki Taka, where his character and his sort of you know profile was much much necessary sometimes. Yap Stam kind of thing, you know. Oh, I don't know. Rolls Royce of a defender from my, from my from those those four games he played. Apart from being sent off at Leeds, fantastic yeah, man, yeah, fantastic player. Uh, Dan, uh, final word on this game. Um, I, are you still bitter about the fact that City should have had a penalty at nil nil? Yeah, I was going to say this. Yeah, at least one penalty. Yeah, there was a foul on Silva right at the start that maybe was a penalty, and then one on Richards, which was a hundred percent stonewall penalty. And both of them were bloody Jerome Boateng, weren't they? Of course. And this was his this was his first game against us, I imagine, because I think we would have sold him to buy in that summer. Yeah. Oh, true. Yeah, he came in that summer actually. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, Boateng is he, he's uh, I, I like him. He's a really good centre back, but there's a lot of memories about him. Like he's the one that fell on his ass when when Messi just dribbled around him once, wasn't he? Mm. So like, still trying to untangle of, his legs now. I think, isn't he from that? I mean, I, I think he never like mentally recovered from that. Like, I mean, he he's still a meme nowadays. Seven years later, eight years later, actually nine. Sorry, it's already twenty twenty three. So yeah, and he's still kind of like that's what I remember of him. Even though he did become a world champion, he did win everything with Bayern, uh, and we owe a lot to him basically. But there's that sort of. Like the guy, dislike the guy. Uh, his attitude doesn't help either. He's very, you know, um, German rapper kind of vibe to it, which is, <laughs> you know, I don't know if it's a positive thing to say about anybody, really. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know. 
It's it's absolutely wild that uh, Jerome Boateng spent a year at City and didn't make an impact, and Daniel Van Buyten played four games and uh, <laughs> is, is a club legend. It's just like it's, it's wild how these things work. Didn't Boateng um, get injured playing for City when a, a stewardess hit him with a trolley on a plane? I think so. Knee. Yeah, yeah, and he like never that played again. Like him, I think. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, fantastic uh, man! What a guy! One of those players. Uh, we're going to finish with some uh, positivity for us, Dan. Uh, it's Danny's hell. It finished City three, Bayern Munich two on the twenty fifth of November, twenty fourteen. If you thought the maths were bad for the last one, uh, wait for this one because Bayern <laughs> were top of the group and through as group winners. This was this was a nothing game for Bayern Munich. Uh, City though were in trouble. They were bottom of the Champions League group. They had two points from their first four games: draws with CSK, Moscow, and Roma. City ideally needed to win against Bayern and then CSKA not win against Roma and then they had to beat Roma in the last game so with it being one all between CSK and Roma they weren't out with a draw against Munich complicated here's what happened but now Sergio Aguero breaks free and what's the referee going to decide he's pointed to the spot he took a look at his linesman Aguero scores it's Chabi Alonso well, down to 10 men, they may be, but you never ever write off Bayern Munich. Aimed in for Lewandowski, who got there and scores! And Bayern Munich have turned it around, and this just about sums up Manchester City's Champions League campaign. Alonso, oh, he took too much of a risk there, Jovetic has won it back, Aguero, can he level? Yes, he can! A terrible error from Xabi Alonso has given Manchester City renewed hope, renewed vigour in this Champions League campaign. Sergio Aguero, deadly again for his second on the night. When you think of the way they won their first Premier League title, it's the way City like to do it. They could do it again here with the same man. Aguero has done it! A hat-trick for Sergio Aguero! Manchester City saviour again! Now, Dan, if we are being absolutely honest, this was a steal, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. But we we needed it, didn't we? Because we'd um, the Champions League campaign that season up to that point had been really, really poor. I think the uh, the, the CSK Moscow two uh, double header was the nadir of that. You know, we're two 0 up in Moscow, um, end up drawing two two, and then losing at home, going down to nine men. We'd lost to Bayern Munich away as well in this uh, this campaign with uh, Jerome Boateng scoring a late winning goal, which was very frustrating. So uh, yeah, it, it not been great, and uh, you know I think the um, there was a bit of doubt creeping in about Pellegrini at that point as well, having having won the, the league the previous season. You know we, we weren't playing well in the league or, or in the Champions League at that point, but then uh, yeah, it seemed all, all was going well at the start of the game. We got one up with a Aguero penalty and, and Bonatti getting sent off for, for Bayern, and then uh, I remember Bayern still being really really good with ten men in this game and still kind of dominating the game. And even though it was a, a bit of a nothing game for them, and then obviously they turn it around. And with that Alonso free kick and, and Lewandowski's goal, and I, I remember just turning to my dad in the stadium and saying, "Well, that's it. We're out of Europe, then, aren't we?" Uh, that's that's been a, a fun old ride for us. And um, uh, yeah, I was watching the highlights before actually. Joe Hart had a hideous moustache for this game. I think he must have been doing <laughs> Movember um, <laughs> as well. Um, and then yeah, it just all turned. Alonso uh, made a horrible mistake for for City's equaliser. Jovetic played it in for Aguero, um, and I think that. Aguero goal for the second goal was like the archetypal Aguero goal brilliantly composed finish right into the the bottom corner kind of uh, postage stamp finish from him 
And it was just kind of one of those moments I remember in the stadium where it felt like the, the momentum was with City and, and it, it, you kind of knew we'd score again at that point. And before long, we uh, we did get the third goal. Jerome Boateng making a, a big error for that one, uh, swinging a miss at the ball and Aguero using his arse to, to hold off a defender and slot home. And it was just like, yeah, the stadium erupted. Just a, a really incredible moment, a great comeback. And uh, we uh, we ended up going through through with, uh, with that win in, in Rome in the, the final group game. Yeah, Danny, this this one, I, I mean, again, I mean, just simple question. How did you lose this? Like, <laughs> you, you had so much control of this game. Uh, I, I think it's just one of those whoops kind of games where it literally took a bad pass from Alonso and it took Boateng to do whatever Boateng does best um, to just basically hand you a couple goals that you were kind of handy. Oh, of course, and Benatia just being Byron's worst signing of the century of anything. Um, which, I mean, I stand on that hill to this day. Like, he's been, <laughs> I mean, he was okay at Juve when he came from, where he came from, I think. Uh, and he's just been awful after that. Like, Byron was just shambles every time he played. Um, but again, it was a big rotation game for Byron. I remember Schweinsteiger being benched. Goethe was also benched. Müller wasn't playing. I, was, I think it was Rod and, H- and Huberg who were playing in the midfield with, with Alonso that night. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, like, answering the question is one of those... Guardiola kind of games, doesn't isn't it? Like he just sees seems dominant. They play with great attitude until they're on the lead. They can hold off the team a little bit. I also argue that playing with ten players in the game that where City were like very keen on on you know on on winning it, uh, it kind of like wound the team down a little bit. Uh, you can tell by the rotation that they really weren't that motivated into like fully going for it. Like Schweinsteiger only comes in at the end of the game. I remember, uh, and yeah. Shakiri goes in for Lewandowski. So. You can see that they kind of thought that, okay, this is done and dusted, isn't it? So, I don't know. It, it, yeah, I really don't have like a straight answer for that. I just t- took a couple of errors and a very tired team defending and cleaning up after Benatia. So, yeah. I think that's basically it. Do, do you remember, Dan, the... Uh, obviously, you mentioned the uh, the two red cards against uh, against CSK Moscow. So, Yaya Toure and Fernandinho were both suspended for this game. Mm. Um, do you remember the, the, the fear beforehand by the fact that, that City basically had to play a, a, a midfield pair of Frank Lampard and, uh, well, whoever else was available? I think it was James Milner <laughs> that played in the end. I don't remember the fear, to be honest, no, but I do... Um, I did watch the highlights of this one, as I said, and, and I remember... Uh, it's notable how involved Lampard was in the game, actually. Um, I mean, obviously, he was he was a pretty good signing for City for that one season. Um, a, bit, a lot better than I expected he was going to be, you know, obviously coming to the end of his career. And uh, we got him just before he went to, to New York City. And he, he, yeah, he, he seemed like he had a good game. He was, he was playing quite an advanced role and, uh, you know, getting, getting chances, having shots on goal and uh, playing quite well. So, yeah, it was... There was, there was not a lot of hope uh, going into this game from City's point of view, I, I remember. I didn't think we were going to win at all. Um, thought that the European campaign was over and it was strange how it all turned around. And I remember after the after the win in, in Roma, um, us getting through it in, in the last game of the group, um, I remember Jamie Jackson writing something for The Guardian, like uh, saying like, this is the moment that City have finally arrived in the Champions League. And obviously we've been out of the group the, the, the season before and been knocked out by, by Barcelona, but it did feel like a bit of a moment of arrival that like, finally we've, we've got a good result away from home. We've, you know, we've beaten Bayern Munich in, in the group stage. Finally, things are sort of pointing in the right direction. And, and nowadays, you know, the group is a bit of a, a formality for City, isn't it? You know, we, we, we tend to tend to sail through it pretty easily and, and get to the last stages of the Champions League. And, and that's when it all unravels for us. But the, there was a long time, it was, a, it was a very hard learning curve for City and, and still is in many ways. But there was a long time where we, um, you know, we couldn't get out of the group to save our lives and, and really struggle. And it felt like this was a, a step backwards and suddenly we, we uh, it all turned around for City against Bayern Munich in this game. 
Yeah, ran into Barcelona again this year, though. Yeah, yeah, I've got that out again, yeah. So. Yeah, so these things happen like that sometimes. That was a free preview of a bonus podcast for Patreon backers. It's called City Heaven, City Hell, and we were focusing on games with Bayern Munich. My guests were Dan Burke and Danny Kadina. If you enjoyed it, then remember you can hear shows like that every Monday throughout the season by supporting the podcast on Patreon. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast, and it's just £2 a month to sign up.